You're listening to the A Scully Cast, brought to you by www.ascully.com. And here are your hosts, A Scully and Sid Talk. So before the after the show discussion, we were talking about the current state of DLC in video games. DLC means downloadable content, which download is actually one word, so I don't know why it's DLC, but whatever. Yeah, I don't know why. Either. Let's not abbreviate things in this house, shall we? It's downloadable content. True. And downloadable content, if you're not a video games person, is you buy a game and then they add things to it and usually charge you, or sometimes it's free. Sometimes it's For free. For example, let's just switch it over to another medium. If you love movies, and you download a movie and watch it legally, but the last 15 minutes are missing, but you get a little pop-up every five minutes that says, hey, if you want to see the end of this movie, just... Get out your credit card and get out your iPhone and give us five more dollars. I mean, that doesn't happen. I'm saying that's the same exact thing. Not if you exact. want to enjoy this thing fully and have the full experience of what we've already created, most likely, we're going to sell you a little piece of it for the full price, and then later we're going to charge you more for the parts you should have got with that first purchase. Now, there are several different schemes going on at the moment. I like to call them schemes because they seem like schemes to me. Scams, you mean? Yeah, one is... You buy a game, and then months down the line, they add some new things to the game. Like, really new things, maybe new story. The Last of Us is a prime example. You put, you buy the game, then, what, six months down the line, they add, like, a really good piece of downloadable content. You have to agree, that Left Behind was a an actual game. I don't know that I agree that it was a good piece of downloadable content. I mean, it's, I believe that it was a good chapter it, in that story. Yeah, it wasn't something that was just throwaway. Like some, I don't know why it couldn't have been part of the original game, though. It is now, you know, if you buy the Game of the of Year course. edition, it's part of it, right? So Because it always was. Well, they just it broke was. it up to make more money. No, they didn't make it at the time. They went away and did it after the game, right? Mm-hmm. I understand that, and depending on the game, I find that to be a good downloadable content. Bad downloadable content is, like Call of Duty this year, every so often, do you want your gun to be a Union Jack gun? Do you want your gun to be an American flag gun? Okay, you do. Three dollars, though that is bad to me. That's that's yeah, but that doesn't impact your game. No, Other but it's things, visual and people kind of hook into that. They doesn't want, matter. It doesn't impact your game. Do you want Snoop Doggy Dog to be your uh, announcer? Also, doesn't impact five dollars. That's just frills. It is, but they keep saying, "Okay, so that's frills, and it's it's there." But when you're playing the game, it's always reminding you that it's there. It's like, "Hey, Union Jack Gun, do you want one?" Hmm. Buy it now. Pops up, you know, like $3. You can go straight to the store now and get it. So you're talking about, like, if I sit on my internet that I'm already paying for, and I'm looking around at different websites, and ads keep popping up to sell me couches and carpets and chairs and clothing and makeup and diet plans and whatnot, they're all trying to sell me downloadable content for my life. Yeah. So you're just exposed to it anyway. But the way they do it, it's all insidious. Like, it actually is. Makes you feel like you're not getting the full thing. The issue I have with it is, 10 years ago, games were what they were. If you bought your Need for Speed game, and you got the disc at the store, because you couldn't download it. It was the Need for Speed game. That was it. All of it. And then you knew five years later, they might make a whole new game. They've upgraded the graphics, they've upgraded everything, they've given you 50, That's exactly what they did. 100 cars instead of the last time you had 75 cars. That's not downloadable content. That is like... A new project, a brand new thing. Exactly. It, in the same vein as the first yeah. one that you liked so much. Now, it's more like sell, like you just described. They sell you half of the game they've already made for the full price. Yeah. And then nickel and dime you to get the rest. And, the, and one of the things now... I don't know if anyone can tell. I don't like this idea. One of the things now that I'm seeing is there's this new thing. And it's a game, and it comes out. Let's say it's Forza Horizon 2 that came out this week. Do you think everyone's interested in this? There's the. This is a movie podcast, by the way. <laughs> so this this week, Forza Horizon Two comes out on the Xbox One. There's a sixty dollar version called the Day One Edition, and that's sixty dollars, like a game costs. You buy it, and there's that game. Then there's also for eighty dollars the Premium Edition. So you buy the eighty dollar version and come home with it. You put the disc in. It's got twenty dollars worth of stuff extra that the sixty dollar people don't get. And then there's the $100 super, super duper premium edition that's got loads of extra stuff. 
Now, if you go, if you think, well, $100 is too much, I'm buying the $60 version of the game, and you come home and you put it in, you're reminded almost immediately... That's the issue, isn't it? You're reminded immediately that there is a $100 edition that you didn't buy, but you can upgrade to it now. Because if I buy a $5 t-shirt at the store instead of the $100 t-shirt, and I take it out, I put it on at home, I don't have a big badge on my $5 t-shirt saying... Hey, you could have had the hundred dollar T shirt, no, but it's no you reminder. Just go, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> you choose what you buy. I get it. So it guilts you into like. That's not. That's your choice, though. If you get yeah, suckered no, but, in, no, but, it's suckering you into it. Yeah, it is, and and that's the thing I object to. And I, you know, since when we've since when did we pay a hundred dollars for a video game? That's what they're aiming for. The hundred dollar super duper edition is the one everybody wants. They all want that one. Eventually, that will be the only one. Because You'll they're all be full pay- of shit. Um, what I mean over- is, they, they're, yeah. this is a way of getting games to $100. They um, overvalue what they're giving the And world. then eventually, those other two different 60 and 80 won't exist. The 100 will be the only one with the season pass. And then you're paying $100 for one video game. That's, that's the path it's going to. And that's the only reason all that exists. It's annoying. Yeah. I, I don't do it. I don't buy the $100 versions of anything. I'm not into collectors. Uh, you did once. You bought Call of Duty thing once or something that was... The one with the package. season pass the first year, yeah. I yeah. never did it again after that because I didn't get enough stuff. But you did it. They got I your money. I did it once, yeah. So and I could have done it every year. They don't care what you think. They only care that they no. got your money. And you know what? They didn't do that again after that. And I don't want a collector's edition with a load of trinkets in it either for $150 when they go, hey, Call of Duty this year, there's this $150 one in a massive big box. Do you know what's inside it? There's a remote control car with Call of Duty written on it. And I'm like... Do you think people are tired of listening to this conversation? Because it was already happening like a half an hour before. I didn't say anything. I'm just saying this is actually how we have conversations. But what I'm saying is that the the DLC... They know what you're saying. So (laughs) it is uh, Saturday, October the 4th. It isn't really, but it will be when this uh, podcast comes out. No, you put it on a Monday, right? No, it goes on the feed on on the Saturday. Ah, and then publishes on the website. It's actually October 1st. True. But we're doing this early because you have an appointment this weekend. Mm, Renaissance and Festival, yeah. This is after the show number 346. Uh, after the show is a podcast where we review movies. And this week's movie review will be Million Dollar Arm, which we have just watched. It's a 2014 movie. will be out on the 7th of October. You better pick it up then. Better? Why? What? Are you doing the thing that those people do? You better do it. Are you yes. going to be lacking something in your life? You better pick up the Super Premium Edition that costs $35. And it's rated PG from our friends at Disney. And Sid Talk, give us a synopsis of Million Dollar Arm. Hmm. Well, it's based on a true story. But it's definitely not an original story of any way, shape, or form. It is somebody... Well, this one is... Um, a couple of young men in India get picked up by this guy who picked up, um, <laughs> Pretty much. sought out in a competition to find the first person from India to play American baseball in order to get all of India interested in American baseball. Because these premises, hey, you get a billion people, it's a billion caps and a billion t-shirts. Basically what we're just talking about. Let's nickel and dime everybody. Let's just get everybody hooked into our little scheme here. And so it's taking somebody who's not got a great life, maybe. I mean, it's fine for them. But this guy's standard, of course. He wants to give them the dream. And them working their way toward that dream. Yeah. So it. what um, surprised me about this movie, first off, is that the real life events took place in 2008. And that, that nobody from India had actually played in American baseball until that time. That that surprises the crap out of me that baseball Why? is so... Like, is there a German baseball player? Is there a... For an American baseball... Is it, do Americans only play American no, baseball? No. Japan plays baseball now, but No, I Japan, mean in American baseball. Yeah, the Japanese people play baseball. Some Japanese players. It just it, it blew my mind that nobody from India had ever played in the ML... B. I'm not a baseball baseball. fan, let me just say. (laughs) Me either. Major League Baseball. Right, so it blew my mind that nobody from India had actually played in that, and that's been going for hundreds of years. A hundred years? I don't know. Um, That just blew my mind. Anyway, 
the premise of the movie... Do you have is, a lot of Americans on your British soccer team? Actually, yes. Now, a lot? Now, yeah. Now? But I'm saying there was always Since a Since MLS took off. Right. There's a lot of good players. Right. But before that, there would have probably been zero. And then there was a first. Yeah, actually, yeah. Um, but the fact that it was 2008 blew my mind. It was like, like somebody only figured it out. Into, it was like this guy only figured out, oh, there's loads of people over there who play Probably this. not. I would say it just came, just kind of And the reason is, um, in India, cricket is a massive sport, as it is in Britain, as it is in New Zealand, as it is in Australia. And cricket, you could say, is a similar game to baseball. It isn't, but you do bowl a ball. A person who's not a sports fan couldn't say that. I mean, you bowl a ball and you hit a ball. That's a, that's its similarity. We don't call it bowling. You call it throwing or pitching. Right, and I'm, I come from the cricket side. I understand cricket, not baseball. <laughs> so, And you understand baseball, not cricket. Barely understand So baseball. I call it bowling and you call it pitching. Well, it isn't bowling because bowling is this and throwing is this. And in cricket you do bowl. Well, hey? there's different bowlers, yeah. underarm and overarm. Um, so, Discussing the finer points of cricket. Yeah, and we're not sports fans, let me say, and I don't like sports movies in general. There are, there are a handful of movies about sports that I have liked in my entire life. Um, and I actually quite enjoyed this movie, and why I enjoyed it was it didn't really focus on the sport. Hardly at all. Like, it was more about relationships. It's a drama with a bit of sport attached to it. Now, yeah, the main premise is about the sport, but what I really enjoyed about this movie is Half of it takes place in India, which I find fascinating. India is it's a really gorgeous place to look at, even though like they try and make it look slummy and stuff on this movie a lot. I don't think they're trying anything. I think they're showing you where the people lived. They're not trying to do anything. They're just showing you what it is, where he was at. But I really enjoyed, like... Oh, <sighs> this guy seems a bit sleazy, the guy who John Hamm plays. Oh, really? I mean, the real-life guy, not John Hamm. Um, oh, he's totally sleazy. Yeah, he's... Without going into John Hamm, the real guy, J.B. Smooth. Bernstein. Bernstein. J.B. Smooth's from uh, Kirby Enthusiasm. J.B., he... The real guy. He's just a guy trying to make a bunch of money, right? Yep. That's what he is. And they don't actually... I, I was interested in this movie. They didn't make him look like some kind of messiah or like he's this guy who is doing yeah. good for it. They, they actually made it very clear that this guy wanted to sell stuff and merge, like, the inspiration comes to him, he's looking at the te television, and Britain's Got Talent comes on, and cricket is on the other side. It keeps flicking between cricket and Britain's Got Talent. And that's like Britain's Got Talent... Is it Britain's Got... Yeah, Britain's Got Talent is this big money-making... Simon Cowell's like that kind of guy, isn't he? Big money-maker mobile. Gets a lot of attention. And then he, he just tried to do that, right? Be like a Simon Cowell Basically what sport. he did was he started a competition called the Million Dollar Arm. Which is a reality a real, show. Reality, real thing where In youth India. of India can come and throw the baseball as a pitcher and see who has the right skills to then move them to America and then see if they can get signed with a major league baseball. And it's like they're mesmerizing the Indian peoples by saying... You will go to America. You will make this amount of money. You will get a job in this, and it'll be a fairy tale for you, because where you live now, it's not so good, right? They, yeah, but it was fine, isn't it? It was, but they, that's how they these kind of people were really shitty. I yeah. think elitist bullshit fuckers. So, so this million dollar <laughs> to think that that life, that anyone's life, unless it actually is a life of actual suffering. That if it's not you with your split level and your car and your two monitors on your computer and your iPhone, anything less than that is like, oh. But that's what I liked people. about this movie. It, it, on one hand, it, sh it showed how greedy and capitalist, like, American sports is. It, it, it didn't flinch from that. It showed you these, like, you know, when they go into the auditions in America and there's all these, like, kind of, you know, mm -hmm. middle-aged men with the little guns measuring the thing. It just seems sleazy and, like, it's a meat he, market for and money. And he even says, it's my investment. Yeah. You're not people. And they don't hide from that in this movie. And that was what I admired about it. Because I they could have painted it more rosily than they did. They actually went... Actually, it, it might be... You know, it's a one in a million chance for these kids who are coming from India to do this thing. But... Nobody cares. Nobody cares about them. They're feeding... You know, the fact that John Ham's feeding them pizza and just telling them to Routine go in the room. bars. <laughs> yeah, it's all very... They're like cattle. Yeah, cattle. And 
in the movie, and I think it's just pure Disney Hollywood magic, actually, this side of the story, of him meeting this woman. Yeah. And the woman showing him that these... Well, he's actually married to her now. I know, but I do feel that is a very... In the movie itself, it's like, hey, you're a jerk. See yourself as a jerk and fix that. And then he does, right? It's very movie-ish. I don't think it happens like that in real life. I don't think it happened to him like that in real life. It doesn't seem like it would. I think it can happen, but the, the, the overriding thing about this guy's personality is I want to be somebody, I want to be the guy who puts together like this huge, I want all these people to like start throwing money at me. I want to be, like what's the thing where he, it's not opportun, well, it's sort of opportunistic. He's not, he calls himself an entrepreneur, but he's not. He's just trying to like, I don't know, like he's not doing anything. He himself is not doing anything. He wants to make all his money on the backs of others. I mean, he's a publicity agent, dude. Right, and that's the vibe I got. He's not, he's, he doesn't, con- I don't know, he's very unlikable to me because of that. Like, he doesn't really give a shit about anything except getting money, getting money, getting money. I think that's well portrayed, but without making him seem horrible. The kind of good balance there. Yeah, but I do... Even though I thought it was horrible. Even though it is a Disney kind of, like, inspirational... I mean, that's what it's supposed sure. to be. Like, um, you know. But they're all like that. Unless, I mean, a But this one, I actually felt it was slightly different. And why I felt it was slightly different? Because it was like, half of it takes place in <laughs> India. If you hear something, it's the tornado warning alert uh, siren going off about a mile away from us. Just so you know. Because half of it takes place in India and half of it takes place in the, in the United States. It's got like a more cult- cultural thing to it. I think so. I mean, it offers you... It doesn't show him... It shows him for what he is, but not in the way that makes you vilify him. No, he's not like a total douche. No. In fact, he is... He kind of is at the beginning. He's like... His friend's like, oh, I don't... You know, who, here's the girl who lives next door to you. Are you interested in it? He's like, no, I only sleep with supermodels or models or whatever. Like, like he is a douche. He's shallow. But, yeah. I've got a green. Porsche. My house has to be really clean. I have all this expensive stuff. Um, so yeah, he's not likable really at the beginning. I find it really hard not to see Don Draper when um, he's. I don't find him that likable throughout. To be honest, I don't. I, I mean, don't think there's a change for me. But the, there is a change, though, isn't there, in the story? Like they very clearly draw a line and say, "Look, this is where he changes. He's now got a minivan. He looks after them better." Right. I don't see. I don't see that as a change, though. It's very superficial. She's told him he's being a jerk. He needs to focus. Now he's going to focus. Why? Because ultimately he wants these guys to make him lots of money. That's the only motivation. To me. That's all I see from True. him. I'm... But I don't see him, as he goes on, he's less... Not... He's not ever super sleazy. Like, if you think of some characters in movies who are, like, real sleazy. He's not like that. He's not like... Jerry from, Um, I never thought of him as sleazy. But, like, what was the one we just watched with Batman and... Fire Girl. <laughs> Batman and Fire Batman Girl. Batman and Fire Girl. Hunger Games and Batman. You know. Christian Bale. Yes. Where they're trying to do a deal. Oh, American Hustle. They're sleazy. Yeah. They're portrayed as sleazy. He's sleazy. He's desperate. And, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so, I never get that vibe from him. But he's never redeemed for me. There's never like a moment where I go, "Ah, his heart is melted and now he's doing I mean, they tried to do that. I feel like they tried to do that in this movie, but I 100% didn't get on board with that either because he's too up his own ass like half the movie <laughs> where he's like, yeah, these kids that I've brought from India, Dismissive, they're, they're yeah. my meal ticket. Exactly. That's all they are. Like, until she says, no, look, they're kids. They're out there missing the parents. They're... And he, he doesn't realize that. And he would never have realized that if somebody wouldn't have told him. He so would have just then you do buy that. it. Then you do buy that. He, she did do that. And Well, converted. I'm saying I, I, I don't feel the real man. I don't feel like it occurred exactly like that. It's way too movie-ish. Sitting down at a nice curry meal. They made him a curry. And, it's, 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 you know, that is very... It's a, I don't believe that's a scene from anybody's life. Yeah. Uh, it's a be. scene from a movie. You never know. It's a... A flourished version of real life, I think. Mm. I think a lot of this movie is. Because you, 
when you go and read the true story of these guys and how it really turns out and all that stuff, go and read that after you've seen the movie. I won't spoil it for you. But um, it's not a fairy tale. <laughs> I was listening to the It's thunder. not a fairy tale. It isn't, but it's like they want you to think of it as that. You know, like, oh, these... That's what I'm saying, that... The way it's portrayed is like a fairy tale, like a Disney movie, like, oh, blah, 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 and then dreams are made. In real life, it doesn't seem like it is like It's that. like there's no payoff for right. all of what everybody's doing. There's no real payoff for it. Financially, emotionally, anything. It's all sort of muddied up a little bit. To me. But, aside from that, it's, I think it's but a it's real, good. It's really good. A very well-made film is predictable and... Obviously, it's made to tug at heartstrings, and I think it tugged at your heartstrings at one point. I mean, that's how it's made. It's a sentimental sports movie. Like, I think what I was thinking, if you're talking about like tears being shed, is like the idea in real life, not because of the movie, but in real life, it happens all the time. Some sleazy fucker comes around to your family because he knows that your daughter plays tennis really well. Makes you a deal, because you're poor. He's going to make you his promises. Then he gets the daughter, and he doesn't give a shit. She is livestock, is how we treat livestock, which is shitty anyway. You're going to make me money. And that idea is everywhere. Like, it happens everywhere. And I think it's just, it's like, that's what I was thinking about. You're taking people out of their home, regardless of where they're at, and giving them this, what I think of as a bullshit promise. The American dream thing, I think, is just... It's an illusion. I don't like d- fake. Yeah, because like a kid in India might be really, really happy, but he might be living in shit and it might be really shitty, right? He or might. anywhere in the whole world. Well, yeah, let's just, I've just used India for, so he might be having a really shitty life. I mean, a really good life, like happy in himself, but he's in poverty or whatever, right? But he's still happy. Then you could move him to America and it could be, he could be miserable. Absolutely. Uh, very miserable. Like these kids in this, they just miss home. India is their home. It's not... America's not better than India to them. India's their home. Right. So what's better about going to a country where you have to play a game you know nothing about... And live in a hotel room (laughs) and eat pizza, you know... So that that part, because it was... That was based on real, that's what a... That's what I was thinking about a lot. And these... These two dudes, both are back in India now. Oh, are they? they? I didn't... Yeah, that's... that's, Right. They both went back to India and did, like, teaching... Um, you know, baseball, baseball to Indian people, right? So, yeah, it's not an American dream. Like people live in certain places, and their dream is, you know, their family or whatever it is that makes them happy, right? And it even shows you that in this. Do other countries say that? Like this is the British dream. This no. is the Australian no. dream. No. I think I've heard Australian well, dream, but like Never does every country dream. think that? <laughs> I don't understand it. It's like a, it's like a lie. It's like a super lie. And anybody who tries to follow that trail, which is this guy, the I want the big mansion, I want the hot parties, I want the hot chicks, I want all the gold, I want all the fancy cars, I want my Porsche. It's all bullshit. Like I just I do not subscribe to it. So that I was always fighting that the whole way through the story. Is that are you trying to sell that as the actual like all oh, these lucky guys? Look how lucky they are to go to some mansion where everyone is like snotty and it looked like Im- hell. My idea yeah, of hell. Yeah, exactly. So that was where I was fighting. Like because where idea. he said to the two, to the two boys, really boys. Yeah. He said to them, teenagers. They said, "Why are we here?" And he goes, "This is your future." And then it opened. Then the and it's horrible. And then it's like a rap party. It's well, like, no, it's just everything. It's like Scarface's mansion. It's like some. Like really the world super, is yeah. the world is not enough type Superficial thing. people yeah. getting wasted. And it's like I'd Look. be like, is that what people are aspiring to? Like a you know, like exactly. So that was because the movie's based, and that's how real people now think. A lot of a lot of people always have. Like I don't have a problem with if you're actually suffering in your life because of poverty. And it, it is actually impacting you in a horribly negative way, which obviously happens all over the whole world. And then you try to just move a little bit different direction so that you have enough food and a good shelter. And then you start getting the luxuries, right? Because we don't live in a lap of luxury. We have just enough to be comfortable 
we're not just barely surviving, but that's fine for me. I don't sit here thinking, I wish my desk was covered with gold. And I wish my car wasn't a 2011 Fiesta. I wish it was a 2015 Lamborghini. Gosh, poor me, because I don't have all that bullshit. Like, I, I think that that is, ugh, it's like the undertow of this idea that drives me a little bit crazy. But I like that this movie, it didn't go for all, it showed you that yeah. it wasn't necessarily, it actually showed you the bad side of it. I mean, it really covered, like, the... Whereas, like, the it didn't one... make him look like a, some kind of awesome dude. It didn't. It tried, though. We just it... didn't see through. We just saw through it. Yeah. It tried to make him look like he had a revelation, and now he loves them, and they're part of his family. And that's why I say, I just think that, that in real, that was just for, for the movie. Because people want that in a movie, don't they? They want, like, a... And he might very well have had that, but then he's always going to be over here on his phone and trying to make a deal and trying to make a bunch of money. Well, let's face it, he probably made a lot of money. From what he accomplished here, so. But as far as I'm concerned, um, I don't like sports movies because I'm not into sports, so I can't connect with sports. You can, like in this movie, there's obviously some very famous baseball faces inserted. I can tell that they're there, you know, like coaches and stuff, but it means absolutely nothing yep. to me. And I'm sure to some people, they'd be like, holy crap, look who it is. But none of that registers with me at all, aside from the fact, oh, he's not an actor, I can tell, so he's probably a coach. Yeah. He's not saying anything, or when he says something, it doesn't sound right. That's usually how I can tell. And there was a few in this movie. Um, but as far as this movie went, a Disney movie about baseball, I was saying to myself, probably not going to like that. The only thing I can see that I might like is John Hamm, because I really like him. I came out of it... No, you like Don Draper. Yeah, well, I like John Hamm, actually. I came out of it, and I was like, okay, it's a sports movie. I enjoyed it. I don't understand baseball, but I understand what they were trying to tell. It was told at a rudimentary level that I, even I understand. Um, as a cultural movie that actually takes you to another place, it did that. I felt the sweat and the grime of the street of Mumbai where they were, you know. Um, it was actually quite funny, mm -hmm. which I didn't expect. Some of it was pretty funny. And um, yes, it does have a message, but I'm not sure it's the best message um, you know, because come to America and be awesome. Aspiring to introduce an American sport to a country where it doesn't yeah, and, exist. And you know what? Only because all you want to do is make money off of it. Not because it enriches well, lives. Well, on the other side of it is, hey, India, you have this game called cricket. Ah, uh, forget that. Yeah. Come and play this. This is the big, better sport. That is a kind of a shitty thing because cricket is massive. Yeah. It's There's a billion people there. It's not, and cricket's it's not, not just played there. People underestimate <laughs> the power of the volume of people that but, I mean, are not in this country. Cricket's played in many, many, many countries. Like your country and our country combined, we only have about, what, 400 million people. Right. They have a billion people just there. And the idea of saying, you know that cricket, that like in, that intermediate sport that you're playing when you could be playing the big boys sport in America. Yeah, that's That's shitty. not a good message. Like no. This. Because that cricket... Is a really good sport that has a massive historical significance to different countries. You, you, you know, don't ditch it because there's more money in this one. Okay, that's how people think about bringing your football, yeah, i.e., soccer, to America. Right. We've got our history with our foot American football. We've got our history with our baseball. Why do you want us to? I mean, it is here on yeah. a small scale. Though. Right, but that's the thing. Why would you want to get to distract us? "Quote unquote," as a whole, from our historical American sports, with your little soccer. Yeah, sport and what <laughs> might, and what might happen if you do that is people go, "Oh, soccer's really awesome," and stop watching the other football. Like Absolutely. it might, it could happen, right? And then yeah. all these money deals that Pepsi and all those people make end up. Absolutely, somebody loses money somewhere. So I hate the idea. And sports is just about money, right? Yep. That's what it's all. Sponsors on shirts—they're not there just accidentally. The whole thing, soccer, football, cricket, everything is about money. The whole thing. So this movie fits into Unless that. you and I are playing catch in the backyard. Right. It's pretty much all about money. But that's probably about money too because we had to buy a ball and that ball is manufactured by somebody who's making okay, balls. We were throwing a rock back and forth. Right. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> catch. We're just playing So catch. yeah, this movie does expose like that. I think it does. It shows you like that sports people are really greedy. It's about money. Everybody's a piece of meat, cattle. And there um, are people listening to this right now are like, yeah, so what? 
Right. Get over it. But then, I understand that, but it's sleazy still. But I enjoyed the movie. I really enjoyed it. When you think about it, we're all just cogs in a big machine anyway. True. So that's a really good. I also have to say that the music really in this movie it. is it really, really good. good. I enjoyed the, I enjoyed the humor where it was pretty much putting up to him on a regular basis, but he wasn't getting it. So I like that, you know. Yeah. Where's your family? I don't have a family. And there's this like reaction of like, what? Why I get, you know. Yeah, it, it's, it's a, anybody can watch it. It's PG, right? Yeah. So it's not, it's, it's not, um, offensive. No. It's a, I was going to say it's an inspiring story, but it, it kind of isn't. It is, isn't. A, that's the idea. Somebody wants it's to sell to us on the idea yeah. that, that it's inspiring. It's not inspiring to me, but I can imagine a lot of people it is inspiring to. The people who want to be like John Hamm. That's their ultimate goal. Like, I want to be... I want a Lamborghini. I want a big house. I exactly. Want... Not that... Look at me. I've been playing baseball. Or I want to be a big sports I've star. been playing baseball since I was two years old. And I love it so much. And I know everything about it. Like the one character in the movie. Yeah. Loves baseball. His dream is more satisfied than anybody else's. Yeah. Because he now gets to be in the world of baseball. Where he's been in India his whole life. He's in love with the game. He knows what he thinks is everything about it. Now he gets to come to America. Be on a Major League Baseball field. Be around baseball people. His is the dream that's coming true. Yeah, and that's one of the most inspirational parts in of there. the movie. Yeah, but it's lost in there. So like, if you have a kid who sings beautifully. A little, a little girl who sings. And everyone knows it's beautiful. And... That would be a way for her to live her life. Not just like, oh, poor little girl, she lives in the country and has no money. But you have to introduce her to people in places where that can become a thing. But this, if you had a kid who can't sing, but you decide to make a bunch of money off of her, this is what he did. Let's, let's mold this child into what we want and then sell her. True. <laughs> to the world. So moving on to the cast, John Hamm plays JB. Um, you know... John Hamm, to me, is obviously Don Draper. That's why I think... I don't know if you like John Hamm so much as you like Don Draper. And this and is a it's all, it's a Don Draper-style dude. A modern version, but... Without a family. Yeah. But, I mean, as far as that opening... And also, if I haven't mentioned this, this is the most obvious thing from the first five minutes of the movie. The opening it's, sequence. It's Jerry Maguire, yeah. but with... Two Indian boys who want to pl- who are being molded to play baseball instead of a football player wanting to make it big because this guy's a promoter, he's an agent, whatever he's trying to do, make deals for the sports people. That's really the same exact story. I mean, the opening scene of um, John Hamm delivering his pitch to the mm-hmm. camera. Mm-hmm. It's a Don Draper moment. Yeah, I mean, it's it's Don Draper. He's not totally Don Draper. Let's give him a little. He's credit. not totally, but it's somebody casting definitely said. Who would be a guy who would fit into that? Because the re- he doesn't resemble the real guy or anything like that, does he? Kind of. I didn't think he did at I all. I mean, those facial features, but there is a look about But I him. like John Hamm. I haven't seen him in anything aside from Sucker Punch and Mad Men. And exactly. I love him in Mad Men. Sucker Punch. I don't think he's that great in that. I, he was all right. He was only on the screen for about three minutes. But uh, I think he's awesome in Mad Men. I love Don Draper character, and I love his portrayal of it. Right, but that doesn't make him awesome. Like we know about Neo being a good Neo. Well, Brian Cranston's a good example. Again, yeah, he doesn't doesn't make him good in everything else. It's just like they might hit their like, jackpot. Like character. Walter White is like he does it just he right. Excels, and then you see him in Godzilla, like, I, and I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, there's nothing remarkable about him. But when you bring Breaking Bad with you, you can make him better than he is. Yeah. So I obviously bring Mad Men with me to this. <laughs> yes. I can't not. He's wearing a sharp suit like Don Draper does. You know, it's not, you know, it's like a modern Don Draper to me, but obviously not quite as troubled. And talk- well, no, troubled, yeah, yeah. actually. You know, can't have a relationship But he does properly. have the same ethic. I mean, he does make, he's different. Doesn't smoke. He's just, he's different. Like, his body motion, the way he reacts to... I mean, he's acting. I actually think he was really good in this movie. Though. Yeah, I agree. If he was... I think he did what he was meant to do. He was, I, you know what I think? I don't think he seemed as sleazy as the real guy probably was. You true. know, like a fast talker. Because he's a bit likable, John Hamm, to me. I'm, I like him. Yeah, and that takes away from the fact that he's probably really unlikable. And yeah, and there's parts in this movie where he's actually... Very, like, like you just like what he's, you like how he's being with people. I know he's a dick sometimes, but sometimes you're like, 
no, I like him now. Mm. You know? So, yeah, maybe the real guy isn't as... That's why I got the vibe. So, Lake Bell plays Brenda. She's like a um, a student doctor. nurse, doc- student doctor who lives in his... Pool house. Pool house, right. So, she's his tenant. And also, slash, romantic interest. Um, she's all right. She kind, kind of, she kind of irritated me a bit. And I can't say exactly what it is. I know what it was. It was because she's she comes out with what seems to be that comedian comedian vibe. Oh, okay. Her little reactions are not like real reactions. Television acting? Yes. There's yeah, a lot of television-y kind of... That it doesn't seem new, quite as natural as everybody that else. That new kind of comedy that is real sarcastic and we've talked about it before. But she's fine. And there are moments when I loved her, but overall, those little interactions. I liked it when she was. I liked her when she was putting him in his place. Yes, exactly. Obviously, that was kind of good, but yeah. Um, but then she's portrayed as this like hippie doctor, so yeah. super cool and kind of messy, and but she's you know one of the funniest. One of the funniest things was when they were stood outside, and uh, he was with his friend, and his friend was drunk, and he was going to get in the cab, and she walked, and she said hi, and she's wearing a doctor's garb. The friend said, what is she? What's her job? Yeah. I was like, the stethoscope? Mm-hmm. And the, is that not? Um, but yeah, she was okay. Uh, Pitobash, that's just a one word name, plays Amit. And he's the dude who actually turns baseball. out to be my favorite thing in the movie. Like my favorite. That speech he gives to the two mm-hmm. baseball dudes, it's, it's, yeah, it makes you want to cry. It's like a... Like, he has to reach inside himself, and he says just exactly the right thing at the right time, which might have inspired them to do to yeah. actually perform on that day. I don't know. But I really liked him. He was he was hilarious. I, I kept feeling he was a comedian. Yep, absolutely. In India. He's in a lot of... I looked him up, and he's in nothing in America, but lots of Indian movies. He's in a movie called Three Idiots in um He's India. got a very Three Amigos type of vibe. The very slapsticky Chevy Chase. So... Chevy Chase. Chevy, Chevy Chase. Chase. So you C-Y. could say he's like the third... If there's the three Indian dudes in this movie, he's like... He's not the athlete one. He's the third wheel. He's the baseball enthusiast. Yeah. Um, so then you've got the two Indian baseball players. One of them's played by... Is it Rinku who's played by the guy who did Life of Pi? Yeah. Um, I can't say Indian names very well. Sajai Sharma? Is that right? I don't know who it's but about. But he's the, he's the main boy from Life of Pi. And he was excellent in Life of Pi. And I love that movie. It's mm-hmm. a really interesting movie. Um, and in in this movie, I bought him. Oh, totally. Both of them. Yeah. Yeah, the other 100%. guy who plays Dinesh is played by Madhur Matal. Absolutely, 100%. That they, from the being in their, in their lives as they were, and the emotion that it took to give the idea that we're not suffering here, because there weren't. They were no. fine. The father has a business and drives a truck, and the other one's, um, oh, he's going to an academy that looks yeah. a little upscale. So it's not like they are suffering, but I got the idea that they just had that hint of like, oh, I just got to do this one thing. It's like going to the auditions of American Idol, I guess, right? They see the flyer for the competition, yeah. and it's like, here's my chance to, and that's where it kind of falls apart. Like, chance to what? Play a game you've never played and have a dream of what? Like, What's the thing about, what, with Slumdog Millionaire, another movie, that was on that basis, like, you know, like, you could be somebody and be on this game show and get a million yeah. dollars. Like, is it a thing in India that people It's a all... thing everywhere, dear. We all have it. I guess it, it is. Britain, a... Why does England Do have... Do you want to be on a game show and win a million dollars? Yeah, but why does England have... Britain's got talent. Yeah, I guess a spot... You know, that, that's a way, a shortcut to becoming something, or... So they say you can dance. All of them are the same. It's this... Why don't we have, let's aspire to be a doctor or a scientist or a good, yeah, why isn't good mother? Why don't we have shows about being a good mother, not some piece of shit like like the reality shows have mothering? Like, why isn't that aspired to? Why? Because we're all kind of idiots, I guess. So also in the movie, Alan Arkin pops up as Ray. <laughs> he's really funny. He's funny. I mean, that's a funny character in, in general because he's like a, a, what do you call it, a scout. Yep. He does not give a crap. No, but he knows he knows his thing. So, like, when he's just, like, looks like he's asleep. <laughs> he's listening. He's actually listening. And he can figure out by just listening how fast the ball hit the glove. This right? character can. I'm yeah. not sure if that's real life. I don't know. Maybe there is a scout. 
But I really liked it. I thought he was funny. He added some real fun to the proceedings. His relationship with Don Draper was just funny. Non-existent. It was funny, though, like how he he just turns up and then he's just like, right, you better drive me to the hotel now and, and then wake me up when I hear a baseball. You know, it's, it's he was just... They paid he's indifferent very, to it because he knows it's all bullshit. And they paid very little <laughs> for him and that's what they get kind of yeah. thing. Uh, and then finally I put down Bill Paxton plays Tom House. Um, he's... The He's fine. And he actually does more with that character than uh, I think it's even noticed. I know that sounds weird. So I'm almost like you don't notice that he's doing a lot with this one character. And he's probably met the real guy, because it's a real man, yeah, Tom House. Totally. And then took part of that calm, sort of like zen with baseball kind of vibe, because that's what he... And I totally get that character. Like, yeah. that that's a person, and he's not like he is in... My my portrayal of this, and we're gonna die. I liked it when they said he's like die. an unorthodox coach, and then he showed him training the people, and he's like, "Yeah, just stand up against the wall with yeah. your knee on the wall, <laughs> knee on the wall." <laughs> but it's, I am saying there's like this up. zenness, and he walks with a certain way, and he talks. A and certain it, the real way. guy is in the movie at the end. They show the real guy in, in some of the to clips. Him. Yeah, right. Um, and it, that guy seemed like that, you know. So yeah, he did. Um, I think it's a really good cast, international cast, obviously, as well. Mm-hmm. And I think it was well cast, and I think it was highly enjoyable. I and, agree. I, and I wouldn't say that about a sports movie, because I'm usually... I think the movie is really good. Selling the idea to me is still is always going to be hard. Um, so this was directed by Craig Gillespie, and the only other movie is directed, and this was for Disney as well, and not, not a movie you would think of as coming out of Disney, even though... It, it was a f- the remake of Fright Night with, um, you know, he did it a couple of years ago and it was, uh, who was in it? Bloody phone booth guy, Colin Farrell. Really? Yeah. Um, so yeah, he directed that for Disney a couple of years ago and uh, this is his second movie. I think he did a good job. It's a glossy, good looking movie. You know? Yeah, it looks really... There was actually parts of it where I was like, this looks... Really, like, too good for what this movie is. Like, there was some some shots where I was like, the shot where the Taj Mahal, where they were filming the, um, and the, there was a shot where. What do you think? There are certain kind of movies that deserve good shots. Well, there was a shot where John Hamm was sat inside his car and it was looking through the window and there was like shafts of sunlight coming in, and it was like I was like, wow, this is like, you know, like a some like amazing cinematographer is doing this scene because this. Why shouldn't you have that for every movie? Well, I find like movies like this, they're usually very functional. They look like a TV show at the end but of the day. But you're making it sound like it doesn't deserve to look good. It's just a turn of phrase I use. Like, um, I like, don't, but it means what it means. Like, movies like this are, are sometimes very matter of fact, very, um, they come across just. Right, but that makes it better. Yeah, I say that, that it, that's what I'm saying. This is better. Right. So this it looks best, like it looks like a really good cinematographer was with, was working on this movie. As or, opposed to, you can watch another movie, like, I'm thinking of the one that Disney made with The Rock and he was like a babysitter. It just looks very flat, like a like a studio TV show, you know? Do you know mm-hmm. which one I mean? The babysitter mm-hmm. or whatever. It just looks very functional. This didn't, like, it, it went for, like, different shots and different times. Of it. There's a lot of, the, what do you call it? Moonlight Hour or whatever you call it. Golden Hour. I still don't understand why some movies should and shouldn't have that, but should and shouldn't. You're saying this kind of movie just shouldn't have that because no, not shouldn't. I don't expect it from a movie like this. And when I see something where it looks like it belongs in a different movie, I found that interesting. So um, extras, there are a few Um, that we stopped watching because the storm came and we yeah didn't want to. We had a tornado (laughs) alert earlier and it got pretty hectic. Uh, Oh, we still have a tornado alert. Just so you know, I know you're not worried about it, but there is. Yeah. Um. So, um. What it actually has in terms of extras is it has training camp, which we watched, which showed the both the actors going through training camp. So it's just basically them with personal trainer, and um, it's kind of funny. Is the like it shows you their actual relationship between each other. They kind of goof on each other and they do some weight training and stuff. And they did get really in shape, those mm-hmm. two guys. Um, then there's their story, the real JB, uh, explore the legacy, the real JB, Bernstein, Rinku, and Dinesh explore the legacy of the million dollar arm. Million dollar music, the Oscar winning composer 
who did the music for Slumdog Millionaire, talks about creating the music that encompasses the world, India and the US. Is that the world, India and the US? No, he's saying the world, comma, India and the US. There's an alternate ending, there's deleted scenes, and there's outtakes. Um, no commentary. I'd like a commentary with the real guy. but um, nah, I think you'd like him less. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> but yeah, um, I have to say... I wasn't expecting much, and I actually highly enjoyed it. I was totally not I looking forward to it at all. Once I saw the cover, I was in the mood for more of a big action movie again, but... You've not had enough action movies recently? No, I have not. And so after about 15 minutes, I was like, oh, not like this. Yeah, this like isn't this. what... It, yeah, it's not exactly... That box portrays it to be oh, something... boring. That doesn't make it look blah, like what it absolutely. is. Absolutely. Yeah. Like, one of the worst covers ever. In fact, is there anything Indian on that box? I don't think that's relevant. Yeah, there's the Taj Mahal right there. Taj oh, Mahal. I can't see it probably. Yeah. yeah, but that's irrelevant. It's about that's not selling. It's selling this. It's almost like what? What does that remind you of? To me, it reminds me of Field of Dreams. Yeah, yeah, exactly. A, a baseball movie, which, which is, is what I expected. <laughs> I expected Field of Dreams. It's not. That. It doesn't really a baseball movie either, is it? It's about idea. The idea. It is, but and relationships. Yeah. Yeah. What's the other one with the baseball movie? Don't know a lot the... of baseball ones. Oh, can't remember the name of it. It'll come to you. Yeah. Um, anyway, I enjoyed it. The Natural. Yeah, The Natural. <laughs> Robert Redford. Yeah. Yeah. Came to me. I expected something like that, but it's not really that at all. But it's, that wasn't even really about. It's more Jerry Maguire type. When you think about it, most sports movies, aren't really around about the sport anyway. You get some sport scenes, but it's really about the characters and the people. Well, thinking of any given Sunday, that does have a lot of football in it. But that was about using new movie technology to show the up close football. That was more what it was about than about the football, I think, itself. If you think about the times of that one. So, in conclusion, I recommend it. You recommend it. Thanks to Disney for the Blu-ray. And if you want to enter a contest, go to aschoolie.com. we got some new contests coming on Monday. Next week's Blu-ray review will be Edge of Tomorrow or Live, Die, Repeat, depending on which part of the world you're in. Apparently, uh-huh. the Japanese version was Live, Die, Repeat. The American version is Edge of Tomorrow. Right. So, well, we're going to review that movie <laughs> with Tom Cruise. And uh, movie recommendations based on Million Dollar Arm. I am going with three. I've got three, actually. First one is Goal. And I think that was a movie made by Disney as well. Goal. It actually spawned a trilogy of movies, Goal 1, 2, and 3. 2 and 3 are not very good, even though they do further the story and it is the same people but goal is about but the first one is really good it's about a guy from brazil who actually has a rough time right and then wanting to get out out of that is his motivation a scout sees him and takes him and he plays for the premiership in britain now that's because he loved football soccer football right it was different than someone that you see a kid playing around with a ball and say hey I can mold him into a soccer player. Right. And he, <laughs> he lives different. and breathes football exactly. and, and ends up playing football and in the World Cup. The downfall is, of course, all of the distractions Drugs, fame, and the temptations that, yeah. right, that you playing the game is more important than the gold and the extras. Yeah, and that was actually put out by Disney. It was quite some time ago. I would say 10 years ago, but it's so called Goal. Um, and my second goal one, with an exclamation point. Second one is Rush, which we actually watched earlier this year, and that's the... Uh, um, Ron Howard's Formula One movie. That one was good. Very good. A- another sports movie that I really enjoyed. But there I am. I love motorsports. And I don't really class them as real sports. Sports. Because <sighs> there's no running around. Yeah, but you have to be fit to do that. You do. And my third Even one... I, I hate It's more skilled than fit, I think. I think you gotta be you could you wouldn't see me driving one of those cars no matter how skilled I was. I'd have to be fit. I'd have to have endurance. I'd have to have a good heart. I'd have to be physically able to like really... I think you're wrong on And the third one is a movie that really does fit with this movie, and that's Bend It Like Beckham. It's a football soccer movie, but it has Indian ties to it also. A little bit. It's, Most, about an Indian it's more about girl. a girl yeah. than it is about being Indian. But it does. it is about being Indian too, because there's a conflict with her True. family and her, and she wants to play soccer, but they don't think it's right for a lady, and she needs an arranged marriage. And it's, it's a comedy, really, but it's... Good. A, li- a nice life tale kind of thing, too. So that's Bend It Like Beckham. That was probably 10 years old now as well. Probably. 
And mine are, we're going, it's the 1st of October. So I'm going to start my month of finding horror and old horror and more horror and Halloween stuff. So two of these I've seen before. The House on the Hill with Vincent Price, like from 1939 or something. And the Abominable... Abominable Mr. Fudge. There was actually sequels to the Fudge. Oh, yes, there was, but I'm talking about the first one. And it's creepy as hell because he is despondent that his wife died during surgery. And now he wants to exact revenge on all the surgeons and the doctors who were involved. And it's just, it's Vincent Price. It's it's one of my favorite. I remember seeing it as a kid, kid. We were at somebody's house on New Year's Eve. My parents were playing cards. Drinking beer and smoking cigarettes. That's all I remember about the grown-ups. And this was on the TV over, like, in this, like, family room with the fireplace and everything going. And I, the kids all wanted to go play, like, carom and run around the house. And I was, like, two feet away from this 19-inch box TV sitting on the floor. And I was transfixed. (laughs) I was just, like, you know, like, staring at it. And then when I saw the one where he goes to Egypt... And yeah, like, that one's really weird. That one was creepy, and I remember hiding behind a couch and looking out from behind the couch, but I still couldn't not watch it. And I was little, little, little. They girl. were on um, TV when I was young. These were just on regular. Hammer. These had commercials and all that stuff, yeah. yeah. But I just remember, and then I watched it again last year, and I'm going to watch it again this year. And the third one is one I have not seen yet. But this is the Vincent Price trio, a Vincent Price trio, Made a lot The of Tingler. Now, the reason I find Vincent Price so interesting this week is because I work with a young man who's half my age, 23 to be exact, if you do the math. And when I said something about Vincent Price doing the voiceover in the beginning of Thriller, I always really liked that. He looked at me really funny and I said, which part of that are you not up to speed with? He's like, I don't, I don't know what you mean. I said, the Thriller video, you know, when it does that voiceover, the Thriller song, he's like, I don't think I've ever really listened to that song. I said, oh, really? Vincent Price, you know, is really creepy. He's in lots of old movies. Because I, maybe, did he do some black and white movies? I said, yes, yes, he did. And I said, you know, Michael Jackson, the thriller video was like 14 minutes long, and it was like a big deal at the time. It was like a mini movie. He had this look on his face like, you are talking to me in another language. So what I did do... He know, did he know who Christopher Lee was? Because he's the other I didn't mention Christopher one. Lee. I didn't even know what Christopher Lee was till he was in Lord of the Rings. And... I mean, I've seen those old Dracula movies, but he didn't mean anything to me. So I got on YouTube. I found Thriller, the entire video, showed it to him. He kind of stood there watching it. He's like, yeah, it's pretty cool. <laughs> and I'm like, I know now that it's not the most great thing in the whole world. But at the time, I sat in front of the TV again. And I was grown up almost by this time. Two or three feet in front of my sister's 19-inch television sitting on a TV stand the thriller video is coming on. The thriller video is coming on. Oh my god! And then it was like, oh. My what was uh, big about thriller in the UK was it was only shown after nine o'clock uncut. Right. So the cut version was just the song part. They they deleted Dancing. all the all the uh, movies part of it. So after nine o'clock, you could tune in, and it was on like every day pretty much. And they'd do the full uncut seventeen minute version or whatever. Fourteen minutes. Yeah. And uh, I remember I'd seen it over and over again, the, the cut version. Then I saw that version and I was like... Because I loved American Werewolf in London. Exactly. The same guy did the Baker. special yep. effects. And it was I said, you know, Rick Baker did the makeup and he looks at me. I said, you know, American Werewolf in London. Never heard of it. He needs to see that. <laughs> it's an amazing movie. I, mean, I understand that getting older, there are going to be trails of what you've experienced in your life that don't whip around and sort of crisscross with newer generations. Because my mother can say things to me that I'm not familiar with either. However, I feel like now, because as we were growing up, you would crisscross with a lot of that because all the old movies are on TV. Movies had only been around. Okay, this sounds really horrible, but was born in 1967. Movies only started at the beginning of the 20th century. That meant 67 years of movies. That's right. all there had been. And now, in the last 46 years, there's been more movies made than was ever made in that 67 years. And so things lose their meaning over time, I think. Whereas we put a lot of emphasis on thriller... In 20 years, I said to this guy, what's going to be the thing that you will show someone half your age that you're like, oh my God, I can't believe you never saw that. And he was like, I don't know, man, nothing really stands out. It nothing. doesn't really, I guess. Mm-mm. And then he said, oh, 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 I got this really, really, really old song on my phone. I heard it at the uh, Hard Rock Cafe when I was in Seattle with my mom. He turned it on. He goes, it's pretty catchy. 
and it was Karma Chameleon. And I said, that's Boy George. I said, that's Boy George from the Culture Club. Yeah, I know that one. And he goes, is that a man singing? <laughs> that's what a lot of people said in the 80s. <laughs> or still. <yeah. laughs> so. So those are the recommendations. Games and Ace Scully stuff. I've played more Destiny. There was a patch today for Destiny. There's a big storm outside. <laughs> yes, You can probably is. hear it on the microphone. There's a patch for Destiny today. They fixed some things. I'm excited to go and play it after this podcast. Excellent. And secondly, I didn't play any more games, but Windows, they've announced a new version of Windows and they're going to skip Windows 9 and move right to Windows 10. So the new version of Windows is coming out next year. It's called Windows 10. If you want to try it out, you can download it right now from Microsoft. Go to Microsoft.com, click on Windows 10. There's a preview version that you download the ISO. It's about four gigabytes and you can install it. I wouldn't advise installing it on your PC if you use it day to day. It's more of a trial, not a trial, but like a nuts and bolts kind of, it's not working properly yet version. Um, I watched a video of it today. It looks really cool, but I'll wait until the final version for that. So um, yeah, you can, what's new about Windows 10 is um, the start menu is coming back to Windows. They removed it for Windows 8 and made that big, what would you call that? Huge, big, it's not even a menu. Well, it is a menu. I don't even know what they call it. Start page. They turned it into a full page. Now they're going back to a menu with a little search box at the bottom like it used to be, like how it should be, I think. Yeah. They basically... But the thing is, we only think that because that's how we had it for 20 years. And so I think progress is good in everything. But when I work in an environment where literally you are dealing with 50,000 people who use computers at their jobs, that's part of my job is help desk... The person who barely gives a shit about doing their job to begin with, and on top of that, they don't know anything about computers, and they get they don't have a computer at home, these stupid computers, I hate this. And then they get to work, and one little thing does, their icon for their email is gone from their desktop. They don't need a new Windows. They don't need fancy shit. They need things to stay the same. And I'm not saying, oh, everything should stay the same forever. I'm saying, take the parts that in enterprise world, in the business world, People rely on as being solid, you know, dependable. It, there shouldn't be a learning curve every three fucking years to be able to figure out how to use my computer. Well, I should always sit down at my desk and no matter what, I don't, I don't need a day of figuring out a new operating system. What basically happened with the last Windows 8 was the touch generation was coming about. It was, well, it was, it was here. Microsoft needed to react to it. So they tried to make a touch version of Windows integrate with the normal version of Windows and it 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 got confusing. It doesn't work. It's very radical. The touch version of people right. aren't the 30, 40, 50 and 60 year old people who sit in an office all day or on their computer now where they play their Facebook game and they email their family and they look at little pictures and then they go on about their business. The touch screen people have touch screen devices. Right, so what they're doing now and it's very sensible, Windows ten comes in several flavors depending on what device it's on. There's a version of Windows 10 for tablets that's all touch. There's a version for desktop that's desktop. But if you do plug a touch device, a touch monitor, it turns itself into a touch version. It knows whether you're just using a keyboard or mouse or instead of... So if I get a laptop with the screen with that a touch, is touch... It will use that. Or you can tell it you don't want to use that. Right. But like how Windows 8 works is it has both and... The, that big menu screen that comes up, it's irrelevant to somebody with a keyboard and mouse. It's like, eh, I don't... So it, they tried to kind of merge it all together and it didn't work. What they're doing now is saying, whatever device you use it on, it'll adapt itself to it. It's way better that way. So if you're at work using Windows 10 on a desktop, it will behave like a desktop. There's never a time where you're like, oh, I need to touch the screen now, because you don't. So... Hopefully we won't be getting that anytime soon because trends <laughs> trying to migrate. Um, how many was it? Thirty-eight thousand PCs from Windows, Windows XP to, to Windows 7. Seven. That's when we had extra staff, twenty-four hours a day, just to take the help desk calls because people don't want different. Well, like- what's, what's interesting is because Windows Ten is very much like Windows Seven, and this is what Microsoft is saying. In the enterprise world, which is what they're mainly concerned about. Then we don't care about that. An upgrade from 7 to 10, which is possible just through the Windows Update menu. You don't need to read. What's the point if it's not different? 
Well, it is different, as in it's faster behind the scenes, everything uh, is more efficient. Um, the new start menu obviously is there, which is more efficient than the old one. But because it's very similar to Windows 7, and it's you can press a button and it will upgrade itself to Windows 10. And I mean, Windows 7 has a menu. Yeah, mm-hmm. 7 does. Yeah. yeah, 8 doesn't. Well, 8 does, but it's that weird right. full screen thing, which you can't, you know. You can you can install a program. And, Do I have Windows 8? Yeah, this is, <laughs> that's 8. Press your See? Wi- and I'm a computer Press person. Press your Windows key. I don't give a shit about the new stuff or the fastness behind the scenes or how well it operates or how it handles all of the different services that are running. All I care about is superficially when I sit down. You probably never press the Windows nope, key. Nope, I never, ever, ever press it. I use my folder because, see, I've got a link to the folder that I want immediately so that I can always go to the folders I want because I do not believe that everyone wants to be progressive with their computer. It's like telling everyone every year you have to buy new cars, and these new cars have 50 things you have to learn as soon as you sit down. I mean, they kind of do nowadays because this computer is No, they don't because cars... Work the same every time. There's a gas pedal. No, and I'm brake. talking about the, ins- the know, sync that's system the, and all that's that. That's superficial. You I'm talking about the functioning that. of it. That's all extras. So I'm talking about sitting down to my computer and having my Internet Explorer open up the way I want or my Chrome or whatever, and I get my email the way I want. I open my photo editing thing the way I want, and I don't want to have to search for it and find it. I just want I, it to work. I personally think Windows 8 is a fine operating system. I use it every day. I never look at that big menu, though. So it is kind of pointless, and I do wish sometimes when I press the Windows button that that didn't happen and a small menu came up, because it kind of disrupts me. I'm going away from what I'm doing to this extra thing that's actually being rendered and doesn't really need to be, does it? It's just there all the time. doesn't impact you, really. When you press your Windows key, it comes up and goes away. You probably never even look at it. No, I don't. Hey, look at that. But it's there all the time in the background doing its thing. (laughs) Yeah. And, and you love that picture. And my you never, you, you know, most people don't ever look at it. Nope. So that is, press your Windows key again, please. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so that's uh, games and A-Scully stuff. I actually don't have anything else. So what's for dinner? To dinner. To dinner. Today. I'm not sure if I'm going to make a burger, veggie burger, that is, or I think you bed. should uh, make something that takes about an hour so I can play Destiny for oh, I can take as long as you want. Probably we'll just have the Life Light turkey deli, fake turkey deli meat again on a sandwich. I'm going to throw whatever vegetables I have in a pot and put some curry sauce in there, and then we have some vegetable soup. I'm feeling veggie today for some reason. And potato. Oh, we've been loving potatoes, Those potatoes lately. Are good. Organic potatoes. <laughs> it's not good, but you know what? I think I've lost about seven pounds accidentally without even trying. Just from cutting some... Don't really cut anything. Just eating more vegetables. I've cut out some sugar. Like, if I add up all the sugar, I've cut out about 30%. I don't think that can account for seven pounds. But I've even eaten lots of potatoes, but we just boil them with nothing else on them. They're all some organic potatoes. No, they're not organic. Oh, those were, yeah. The yeah, one I just were, bought yeah. were. Oh, yeah. from the health food store. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Boil them with the skins on. So good. Yep. Just cut out the bad parts, boil them with the skin on, and then... Oh, I made sure I washed the shit out of them before I boiled them, though. Why? You're going to boil to them. To get any of the dirt off. But you're going to boil them. I have that rule. Got to scrub them for like a minute. Okay, well, let's see. You haven't died, and I don't scrub them for a minute, so <laughs> I just rinse them off. And I think I'm put. I'm putting them in boiling water. Okay, surgical staff uses boiling hot water to sterilize utensils. I think it's good enough for your stupid potatoes. All right, and so, my advice is: yeah. do not. Oh my God! Don't suck me into your delusion about me. Now, this sounds really weird, but I had a co-worker this week who said, described me as happy-go-lucky. And I looked at him really funny, and the other person I was working with made kind of a funny face, and I said, uh, I would not describe me as happy-go-lucky. And he puts up this, like, what I call the sensitive person guard. Well, in my experience, in the time that I'm with you, you appear to be Quite casual and quite, and he get, gets a semi-stressed out vibe about him. You, you appear to be, you know, a happy-go-lucky to me, and that's what I'm going to stick with. And I said, yeah, but that's not accurate, because I'm not. Yeah, but you're always very, very friendly to me, and uh, and even when you say things I don't like, because I'm a supervisor and I always have to dish, dish out tasks and tell people when they've done something wrong and stuff like that. And he's like, you always tell me that in a very, in a pretty nice way. 
I said, yeah, but I, I'm not happy-go-lucky. But that, that's, that's what I want to think. So, so I'm, I'm sticking with it. Now, some other person might be like, well, what's the harm? He thinks you're happy-go-lucky. That's nice, right? I think that's delusional. If you're, if you think that way about me and it's completely false, then if you were around me at the wrong time in the wrong place or in a moment when I'm not living up to your expectation, then your opinion of me is going to drop a lot. Your delusion, your, your little bubble that you've made is going to burst. So I'm trying to tell you now, I am not what you want me to be. It's not even, it's not even just what he has seen of me. Because he's heard me have to give instructions. He's heard me complain about things. He's heard me go on a, what people like to call these days, as a rant about certain things. But his claim is, I do it in a jovial, charming manner. And therefore, he likes to think of me as happy-go-lucky. A lot of people take that as a compliment. I think of that as a lie. If you watch the film, happy-go-lucky. <laughs> She's happy-go-lucky. She happy <laughs> yes. And someone else commented... This other person I work with, she and I get along totally fine. And she said, I wouldn't describe you as that, but I would describe this other person as that. I said, exactly. That is accurate. That would be accurate. That but, movie is the absolute definition uh, of somebody who is happy-go-lucky. And it's, ooh, it's tough to watch. Happy-go-lucky is a good one, though. It's yeah. really good, but it's tough to watch sometimes, isn't it? It's creepy. A little bit creepy. So, my advice, it's not really advice, but if you know me up close and personal... Or you know me from a distance, and you have created some sort of bubble about what you think about me. One way or the other, your bubble could be that I'm just a terrible, bitchy, demanding, spoiled, rotten brat. Well, that's also not accurate. It's partially accurate, but it's not accurate. I leave, like, the Venn diagram of bubbles of me. <laughs> because, like, over here's this, and over here's that, but I'm not just one thing. And I guess that would be advice. Don't ever think of somebody... As one thing. And particularly don't think of them. Yeah, people are not one dimensional. Yeah, Nobody. and they're not just what you want them to be. And it's bullshit to think. Well, as long as I pretend that this person is what I want them to be, everything's fine. Because you're going to get disappointed. I mean, unless you think I'm a horrible, wretched human being. And then all of a sudden you see me do something nice for my mother. And then you're like, oh... She's not horrible. That's okay, I guess. But it still was a lie because I wasn't a horrible, wretched person to begin with. So just stop thinking people are... The thing is, he knows in the back of his head that I'm not that. But he wants to... Ah, la, 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 la. No, 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 no. You're fine. You're happy. You're great. You're great. I love it the way you are. Ugh. I don't like that kind of stuff. All right, so before this, before this storm speaks What's your bubble about me? What do you think about me? You know me. You live with me. Not happy-go-looking. <laughs> right. I am totally fine with that. All right. So, um, yeah, it's, if this storm has been ruining the podcast for you, just think of it as, like, it's spooky because it's nearly <laughs> Halloween. Yeah. Nice. <clears throat> so, uh, let me remind you about our website. It's ascoli.com, sitter.com, catch us on social networks, Twitter, Facebook... Catch this podcast on the iTunes Music Store, the Zoom Marketplace, the RSS feed, or just go to stitcher.com, search for after the show. You can email feedback to me at ascully at ascully.com. Don't email Sid Talk, and definitely don't <laughs> use the subject line, happy-go-lucky. And finally, stay classy, Mr. Don Draper. Fictional character. And I'm going to say think for yourselves, or someone's going to do it for you.